With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Stan Elves uh, is about to join us. We're going to give him a call. In fact, uh, I think he, he's there now, so we can have a chat to Stan. Stan, uh, thanks very much for joining us on SEN 1116. The great man, Adam White. It's lovely to speak to you. It is great to speak to you as well, Stan. It would be, I guess it was a celebration today. I was going to say it would have been better in 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 different circumstances, but today was a celebration about a very famous man. It was. Um, and just listening to your little preamble there about uh, the uh, perhaps the league acknowledging that with the Premiership Cup, I think if anybody is in doubt and, and anybody was not really uh, right across Ron Brassi. Uh, and some wouldn't, wouldn't be because they wouldn't understand. But what today when we heard from the speakers, how he covered such the, a breadth of the whole country um, and, and even overseas and everything like that and, and left, left his mark. He's left his mark on the game like nobody else has. Um, you know, and I know we've, I don't want to downplay great people in the past um, on and off the field. But when you look at what he's done, and and when you get people like Lee Matthews and Kevin Sheedy acknowledging what he's done and everything like that, and then you hear about the things that he did off the field and just just his values in life and everything that he embodied, um, he, he's just uh, a great Australian, a, a great Australian who um, not only left his mark on the football field, we heard about as a player and we heard it about as a coach, but we heard it as a visionary. Um, it, it, this was a guy who was prepared to push the buttons and go, and, and he was one of the forerunners of so many different things that have happened in our game. Um, you know, going to uh, you know an Australian-wide competition, you know, leading the push uh, overseas and stuff like that, and, and even his real strong endorsement of the women's side of footy and everything like that he, he's done. I couldn't think of anybody who would be more um, befitting of the honour of naming the Premiership Cup after. Stan, what was your first well connection with Ron um, yep. and uh, what impact did that have on you and your football life? Well, first it was devastating um, because I, I uh, was invited to train at Melbourne in 1964 when they were... Um, in their finals campaign, uh, and Ron would lead them to a premiership, their last until a couple of years ago. And so I went down and trained with them. Um, and then I was hanging out on the fact that Melbourne might recruit me the following year. And one of the things, of course, was the fact that I was going to get to, ch- to play with Ron Barassi. <laughs> and I thought, how fantastic. And of course, by the time I was signed up by the club, he'd gone to Carlton. Um, so <laughs> that first thing was that sense of disappointment that I wouldn't get to to play against him because, you know, I, I guess growing up you you heard about this thing and we all, well, I used to have Ron Barassi footy boots and I used to watch all those things and everything that he did and, and just hang out on this is how you hold the footy and this is what you do, all those things. And I think I might be playing with him. And, of course, that was shattered. And so he moved on um, and I went to Melbourne um, and he'd been involved in all these fantastic uh, premierships with Melbourne. And, of course, I went there and um, 
when my time came up, I'd, I never played in one final. And so I never got to play with him. I never got to experience that. And I never got to enjoy any of the success that I thought would come by being with Ron Barassian at Melbourne. But I re- was retired um, and really just thinking about the next phase of my life um, when I started to get some phone calls and one was from Ron. And uh, he um, came and spoke to me and talked to me about the possibility um, I found it interesting that I said to him, you know, why would you want me? I, I was 31 years of age at that time and my best footing undoubtedly was behind me. Why would you want me? And I can actually remember his words and they were, you've been a very good player in an ordinary team. I'm going to teach you to be a valuable player in a great team. Wow. And I said, how are you going to do that? He said, I've got a job for you. And if you're prepared to do that job, to be quite honest with you, you won't get win a Brownlow medal. You'll be lucky if you get a vote. But I reckon you'll be one of the links that will take us to a premiership. And I said, how are you going to do that? And he said, you're going to be my get-out-of-jail man. And I said, what? <laughs> my get-out-of-jail man? What do you mean? He said, well, we've been switching the play a little bit with handball and everything like that, but we're not really going across the ground enough And he said, I want to be able to switch the ball from one back pocket to the other side of the ground. And I really want to be you. And because what happens is wingmen play a little bit off each other. Um, When the ball's in, I know that ball's in our uh, defensive area, your opposition player won't play you tightly. We're going to work out how far you can creep forward before he comes and picks you up. And we're going to switch the ball across the ground. The kick's going to come to you. They're going to be 40, 50 metre kicks to you. And even though you, if you're old and you've lost your pace, he said, I reckon 10 metres, they still won't get you. And then we're going to hit you with the ball. And your job is to feed it off to the back pocket and the halfback flanks running past and get our ball quickly into the forward line. And I went, wow, I couldn't believe it. I, I, in one conversation, I got more coaching advice than I'd probably had since I had my first two years under Norm Smith. Right. I just couldn't believe what this man was saying to me, and he'd already mapped out this plan, and this is how we're going to train you, this is what we're going to do, and that's how it came to fruition. And so when I was past my best footy um, and there, but played that role in the thing, I think it was my first time in my career in footy I never got one Brownlow vote but I played in a premiership and I won a premiership by by playing a role and that was up until I got to North Melbourne I'd been focused on being a footballer under Barassi I got a desire to want to coach I couldn't believe how, how his thought processes how he could think ahead of the game how he trained us all and everything he did um I was just fascinated by the whole journey um, and everything he did was just was just an eye-opener and I, I just couldn't get enough of it. Fascinating insight, Stan, because I think a lot of people would think of Ron as being a fierce coach with the what, what he demanded from his players and we see a lot of old footage of, of him and it's all fire and brimstone. But I'm interested in more from talking to you now about the tactical side of it, the the dynamism of him as a coach, the way, I mean, cause we think of the handball in the, in the 1970 grand final, but you've just talked about switching play. Were there other things that he did that where he was just so far ahead of the game and ahead of everybody yep. else? 
Yeah. Well, he, I remember uh, so often he would never tell us this is what you're going to do. He, he, we would develop training drills and we do them and wonder why we're doing them. And then afterwards he's asked us, well, what did you pick up from that? And it would be something he'd actually be experimenting with to see it would work, to see if he could take it into a game. Um, and, and so he's continually doing these types of things. And I can remember on one occasion we went out and we trained and then he came in and said, what we're going to do now is we're going to, we're going to set up, and I've got, I want some tall blokes down there. We're going to kick down new blokes. They're going to have to mark. I want you to come out in, um, in sixes in front. When the kick's ball, I want you to run and go to crumb the ball. So we ran and we did that for a period of time. And what we didn't know is that he had people at the side who were actually taking statistics on where the ball fell. Right. whenever there was a marking contest. And when we all came in, he said, okay, what did you find from that? And, and we all come up with different things. He said, no, not the answer, not the answer. And he finally said, well, where does most of the time do you think the ball falls? And, and then somebody said, oh, I think it falls more in the centre of where the contest is. And this was the, the, the forerunner of front and square or front yeah. and centre, whatever wow. you wanted. And, and, and then he said, so what we want is that when you're coming in, see if the ball goes to the left and you commit to the right, you've got no hope of getting it. But even if, it, if you go to the centre and it goes either side, you've still got a chance of getting to it. He said, so now when we run to contests, we must get in. That's the spot where I want you to be. Now, having said that, it's no good having two of us there. So as we're coming in, we've got to be good enough to see who the first person is there. And then the second person, you just get in behind him because if he misses it, we need somebody to mop it up. So that's what we, and so all of a sudden, <laughs> he didn't say this is what we're doing. He actually gave us drills. And, and out of that, he, he did that. And, and so often you'd hear of other people saying that he got certain people to map certain things happen, win the ball, all these things he would take. He was, he was so, um, what can I say, he was so hungry to find out things and to, and to search for information and stuff that he could use. And he was happy to go to all different sports and whatever it was and everything like that. So that, again, is what, what I said. That's what whetted my appetite. Um, and, and I couldn't believe also um, when we'd have team meetings, and uh, this might sound silly, I never sat in a team meeting until I got to North Melbourne. Right. I, I had 13 years at Melbourne, and all we did is trained. And then when we finished training, we had a rub down in the shower and we went home. And, and on Thursday night, we listened to league teams to see if we got a game. <laughs> and then on a Saturday, a Saturday, you'd turn up and you were told these were your positions and it was up to you. But so you can imagine I get, and Brassie's giving us all this information on how you play this guy and what you do here and everything else, this different stuff. It, it, honestly, it was, I was like a kid in a candy shop. It was that, that exciting for me. Stan, the insight that you've just given there is it, the vernacular, the way that the game is played now, front and centre, is uh, no one thinks yep. about where that's come from or let's huh? switch the play. And, you know, yep. I, I'm coaching underage guys now at under-19 level and you, you, you just we just use that vernacular. It's just how the game is played yep. and this yep. is where it started. It's amazing. Yep. I'll, I'll give you another one. I hope I'm not boring. But no, not great. at all. I'll give, you, I'll give you another one. When I finally got to him, and, and, and I'm now becoming on the list, and he, we've gone through all that, that conversation about what I'm going to do. and he, So this is before I even have a training run with him. He said, now I want you to come with me, and it was with he and Ray Jordan. And we sat in a room. I didn't know what was going to happen. And he said, I now want to watch you. There's going to watch 10 minutes of video, and I want you to tell me what you're doing. 
I watched the 10 minutes of video and then he said to me, what can you see? And I, I, I'm going to tell you, so you're 31 years of age. I, I feel okay about myself and I was to learn better. I said to him, gee, they tell me the master coach, but you're a very ordinary video operator. <laughs> he said, why? I said, there's not one bit of me going for the ball. <laughs> he said, oh, yeah, but that's your problem. I have no problem when you go for the ball. You're outstanding. He said, but my worry about is what you do when you haven't got the footy. Mate, you don't do anything. <laughs> wow. I said, what? He said, you're not ready. He said, you're not moving. You're not going into position. You've got to learn to play the what-ifs. What if the ball now spills this side? What if the ball spills that side? Now, I'll just go through it again. As we go through, and we'll stop and start, and at each instance, I want you to tell me, are you in the right position and where should you be? I walked out of that meeting thinking, my God, this is unbelievable. <laughs> so, so again, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, this is, this is why, you know, when you hear so much about him, and I know uh, it was interesting today, uh, afterwards, we, some, I caught up with so many boys from North Melbourne and Melbourne that, and, who'd coached him. We're all sharing these type of stories. We're all those things about it, and we, you know, we were talking about his blasts and everything like that, and how he did it, and and how you cope with it, and and everything like that. And 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 I said to the guys, is that it's interesting. Uh, I I was one of the things when I went there. I'm going to be terrified because I know he's going to rip it. And I've seen these visions of him giving it to you, and you know, and how am I going to handle this? And you know, and and you're thinking about it during the quarter when you're coming in. What did I do wrong? Is he going to give it to me and everything like that? And then I realised that he would get into you and it, it, he would pick out something that you did wrong. And, and, and he was right when he did it. And he'd give it to you and he'd tell you. But then he, his capacity to then move on very quickly to something else and be positive. But the other thing I learnt was it's interesting how when he did this and the way he did it, how it galvanised the rest of the group. Because the other thing I noticed is that for example, I might come in and I've perhaps lifted my head up when I should have kept it down over the ball and he's given it to me and he was right and he's let me know, so I know that. And as he went to go to somebody else, about four or five other teammates would come up and just pat me on the back, say, you're okay, mate, we've got you covered. <laughs> it, was, it was so, even, even that thing just galvanised the group and everything we, we did in such a way where, you know, everybody talks about, you know, if it is to be, it's up to me and stuff like that. The number of times when we'd cop a bit of a burst and and everything, and then as we walk out, the senior players would just get together and say, "Right now, come on, let's not cop this." And it would, it would. He never destroyed us. He, he never did that. It was almost a an empowerment that just fired you up to want to do better. Stan, as we let you go, this is fantastic, and I'm sure, and I know everyone's enjoying uh, listening to some of your stories. J- just on today was. Was today special? Uh, you mentioned that some of your former premiership teammates you saw and so many people in, in footy, your footy royalty. There was so much footy royalty there. Was it, was it how Ron would have liked it to be? I've got no doubt. I've got no doubt that he, that he would have. He would have been humbled by it um, because it, today often so many people just sort of said he never really realised the impact he had. Um, no matter where he went and people wanted to be part of him and you could travel anywhere over Australia and things like that and, and, and people might not know the game but if you said Ron Baresi they knew him and everything like that but he, he didn't understand. I, I think he would have been thrilled. You know what? He would have loved hearing his son, uh, young Ronnie Jr. speak. Ron Barassi Jr. today, 
just spoke so well about his dad, which was fantastic. And to hear that and to hear the impact that it had on family and then to hear about the impact that he had on the playing community, but also on the general population and everything like that. Um, you know, it was, to me, it was it, today's session, it just summed him up. It summed him up so well. It was a wonderful send-off for a magnificent person. Oh, that's great to hear. Stan, it's great to, to catch up and, and reminisce on um, just a, a just a powerful big man in football. It's such yeah. an important man. It's I don't quite I can't quite think of the the right word, the appropriate word, uh, when it comes to Ron Barassi. But thanks for sharing some stories, and we'll have to catch up for a round of golf soon. Pleasure, Adam, and to you, Bryce. Cheers, buddies.